This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Science Notes, a programme on Otago Access Radio brought to you by the Science News and Promotion Group at the University of Otago. Join me, Dave McMorrin, as I chat with graduate science students. We'll find out about their research, why they do science at all, and what music they enjoy. Science Notes, Thursdays from 6.30 till 7pm, only on Otago Access Radio. Well, good evening and welcome to Science Notes again for another week. My name's Dave McMorrin and this week it is my pleasure to have as our guest Bree Nelly. Hi, Bree. Hello, Dave. Bree is doing a PhD in physics at Otago and so as such... We were just saying that in the course of, I think, 12 years we've been doing the show, you're only the second physicist, so oh, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be talking to a bit, uh, tonight about what Bree's been doing for her PhD. It turns out when I, when I casually look around the, PhD, the physics um, department, there's all sorts of wide variety of things happening in physics, um, most of characters. which I don't understand. <laughs> um, but we will try and talk a bit tonight about what Bree's been up to, which I sort of understand because I've been doing homework over the weekend. Um, but we'll start with a bit of music that Bree's brought in. And the, so the first track is? Um, it's a Goodie Bag by Still Woozy. Okay. Just not there yet. 
You listen to Science Notes on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM, where this week we are talking with Bree Nelly about her PhD in physics at Otago University. But before we, we get into the scariness of the physics, <laughs> tell us, Bree, how did you end up doing such a thing with your life? Um, well, it wasn't my original plan. Physics is scary, and it did scare me initially. I started off doing a, um, a BSc in chemistry, yep. um, and that was going great until about, it was the end of my second to last semester, I had a bit of an epiphany, it's like, hmm, maybe, <laughs> maybe this isn't actually what I want to do. I was doing a minor in physics at the time, and I realised I started to enjoy it more and more, and I kind of started dreading the chemistry. So, yeah, sorry, Dave. Um, my, my, my memory <laughs> of of your time in the lab in the round was that you weren't all that keen on the chemicals. No, of course. The not. lab work wasn't really your thing at all. <laughs> no, yeah. So I started heading more towards computational chemistry, but I mean, yeah, it just kind of didn't quite scratch the itch, I guess. And then, yeah, I tried to trans- transition into physics. Couldn't complete a major, so finished my chemistry major, got my BSc in chemistry, then moved into honours in physics, and I've stayed there ever since. So. That would be a relatively unusual thing? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, I did. I nearly I did, nearly completed a physics major, I just didn't quite meet one of the requirements. Right. They made me do a whole heap of papers in my last semester that I didn't want to do, <laughs> um, just to prove that I could. Yes, <laughs> um, prove that you were up for doing honours. Yes, yeah. one of which was experimental physics, which I never ended up needing, well, being a theorist. It's good to try these things to know that it's not you, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Anything I dislike more than experimental chemistry is experimental physics. <laughs> <laughs> well, that answers a question out. I was going to have for you later on. But <laughs> all good. So then, um, you so you did honours. I did. And now you're, in, now you're two and a bit years, two and a half years, I suppose, into a I PhD. Um what is it that you're doing for your PhD work? I am uh, studying superconductors. Right. Um, doing a, a theory project, so there's no messing around in labs, which I, I don't enjoy. It's more um, coding stuff up. Um, it's not really simulations, but it's you know um, calculating properties of systems that I can use to infer something about um, about how they act. Right. Maybe in the real world. Right. So in, in some ways, when we've had a bunch of, of, of computational chemists on mm. uh, on the show over the years, and um, they're all trying to use computers to understand the properties of, of clusters of atoms and stuff, yeah. you're a similar sort of approach, only rather than trying to understand clusters of atoms, you're trying to understand properties of, of materials yeah. Yeah, that right. conduct in weird ways. Exactly. So I suppose before we get into what superconductivity is, shall we briefly talk Give me evils again. Briefly oh, talk about um, normal conductivity <laughs> and and how, like a piece of copper, would no, we would normally understand electricity to be conducted in a normal piece, in, under normal yeah. situations. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I was just saying to Dave, um, not too flash on the, <laughs> on the normal <laughs> stuff. You like the weird stuff. So, yeah, so, so normally we have electrons moving through a piece yeah, of metal. Electro- electronic electric fields push electrons. They then bump into each other, the field energy propagates through the metal via the electrons, but then, of course, you get resistance in normal wires, but electrons are kind of, well, they are interacting also with the positively charged ions in a metallic lattice. It's not yeah. just electrons in there. 
and these things are moving all about. Electrons are scattering off them. So it's not like a perfect transfer of energy. There's a lot of bumping around yeah. happening, and then this ends up being dissipated as heat. So you lose some of the energy you put in. I, I was thinking about this over the weekend, and um, I was thinking about it. It's like if you have like a river, and then you put lots of big boulders yeah. in the river, yeah, then the water, right. which would normally be flowing nice and nice and and, and re- uniformly down the river, starts banging into the rocks, and then you get turbulence and eddies yeah. and, and stuff. Noise from it yes. hitting the rock, which is a loss of energy. Loss. So it's the same sort of idea. Yes. Sort of. <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah. <laughs> so then, so that's what that's what normally happens. And of course, resistance as electrons move through pieces of metal is important for all sorts of technologies, for bar heaters and incandescent light bulbs and all sorts of other yes. things that we know and love. Um, but what you're interested in is where that stops being how it works. Yes. And that has to be at relatively extreme conditions these days still, doesn't it? Yes, either extreme, well, not either, extreme cold and or extreme pressure. Um, we can get some materials to enter a superconducting state where um, a current can flow without resistance, so you're not losing any energy to um, heat. Um, and there's heaps of interesting applications of these things. Such as? Uh, about to say that's not really what I'm, what I'm interested in, but um, so in MRI machines, um, yeah, in hospitals, and same kind of technology as in NMR machines and uh, in chemistry labs, yeah, the uh, the electromagnets inside are made of a superconductor, so um, they obviously need to be kept very cold as well. But you can get uniform, strong magnetic fields out of these things. Right. Um, yeah, the the dream of using them in transmitting. Energy, uh, like electricity, is a bit, a bit further away because most of them are kind of ceramic materials. They don't can't be drawn into wire. They need to be made into this really complicated composite, which is really expensive. So yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of dreams of what they could be used for, but not many of them have been realised yet. One of the things I watched over the weekend um, suggested that the amount of energy that's lost in just electricity going through wires in Germany every mm. year would be enough to power. Mainz, I think it is, which is a big enough city, for eight years. Well, so that's how much is being lost. Yeah. So it's not nothing. And if there was a way to do this with the superconducting process instead, all of that would go away. And so that would be obviously be very well, beneficial. Like, here's a trade-off of having to keep them cold because you have to put energy into yeah. Yeah. getting the, the cryogenic um, liquids. So, so, so yeah. the first discovery of this was mm. by the guy who actually first worked out how to make things really, really cold. It was. Yeah. He was trying to settle a debate of what would happen to um, the resistance in metals as they got colder. Some people are like, "Well, the electrons are gonna they're gonna freeze. They're gonna stop. There'll be no there'll right. be infinite resistance." And he was of the he was in the camp of, oh, "I think the I think it'll steadily drop to zero the resistance." So he um it was mercury that he first uh, decided to test the conductivity as he cooled it down. And what he found was it did go to zero, but there was a huge drop off at about four Kelvin, where it went from finite resistance to to nothing at all, zero. Yeah, but within what he could measure, it was well, it was zero. Um, and yeah, he was obviously quite shocked about that. Mm. <laughs> and so this was 1911. It was yeah, 1911. So 110 Eight years ago. ago, yeah. And then, but then it was quite a while before people actually worked out what was going on, at least in mercury. Um, yeah, well, and. In metals, because um, yeah. after that there was quite a few other metals that were discovered to also have this property, like uh, lead and tin 
with some of the early ones as well. And it took until, I think it was the mid to late 30s, until some sort of series that were, um, well, they were kind of more classical electromagnetism-based theories that explained some properties, but not yeah. all, came out. And then it was the mid to late 50s until an actual microscopic theory that explained superconductivity in metals right. came out. Now, I could be wrong here, but my understanding is is that the that theory, mm. the the BCS theory, yeah, I can't remember all the names. Yes, yeah, <laughs> Baden, 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 Cooper, Schwefer. Uh, see, I'm learning stuff. Um, <laughs> that works in metals because in metals, all of the the rocks in the river are the same things, roughly. Yeah. Is that right, or is it more to it than that? Um, it more it describes superconductivity arising by a certain mechanism that happens. The mechanism that it arises in in metal, in pure metals and alloys. Right. Um, okay. And yeah, it is a it is somewhat of a consequence of them all being right. Like, uh, what's the word? It's like there's. It depends on the symmetries of the... Yeah, yeah you, can, you can see. But yeah, in metals, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, this, yeah. there yeah. is a certain mechanism by which it arises. Yeah. And this BCS theory does, in its original form, explains that. Right. Um, and, I mean, yeah, as we will talk about in a minute, uh, there is obviously more to it than that. Not just metals can superconduct, and these other superconductors can still be described by a generalised BCS theory. Yeah. So it is, it is, it is still in use, but it's not in its original form. It, it seems that the classical semiconductors, mm. <coughs> superconductors, sorry, mm. um, the ones that this theory describes best, yes. seem to have to have the sample very cold. Yes. And all the ones, because of course, the, the, as we've said, ideally what you want is to have these materials having this superconductivity at room temperature under normal That's conditions, right? Yeah. Um, but just things like mercury and nickel and lead are never going to do that. No, they can't. So we have to find other things <clears throat> Excuse me, that will superconduct at much higher temperatures, yes. but then that tends to not just be metals or alloys. It tends to be much more complicated yeah, sorts of is. things, right? Yeah, but but the more complicated sorts of things then can't be explained by this theory. Yes. Right. And we still really don't know how they work, these unconventional, well, we call them non-conventional superconductors, these ones that aren't just the plain uh, metals or alloys. So how does it work then? Do, do, <laughs> do, is there one group of physicists who spend their lives coming up with random compounds, sticking them in a machine and seeing what happens, and then there's another group trying to explain if it does do something interesting, why? It's more of a, a symbiotic relationship, I guess, between yeah. those groups. Um, you know, theorists come up with oh, these things might be good candidates or this kind of crystal with these kind of atoms might be good. People try to make them um, and then they might observe some other things that weren't expected and then comes back to the theorists. They right. try to figure it out and then they need that tested in a slightly different situation that goes back and forth until, yeah, um, we understand something more about <laughs> <laughs> And so um, you're, you're, you're very much then in your work in the camp of trying to come up with some system which might be interesting to then send off to the experimentalist to test? Uh, it's more of the understanding 
like un- understanding what's coming out of uh, ex- experiments. Oh, so right. Maybe okay. isn't quite uh, well understood. Right. Okay. So so they they do an experiment. They measure something that's not quite what you expected, and then yeah. you're trying yeah. to explain why. We see this material doing something strange. Try to understand what. Try to understand <laughs> a little bit about what's happening. Right. Because yeah, the, the like the the mechanism of superconductivity in these things is just no one really knows for sure. There's lots of different ideas, but everyone's just kind of chipping away at it. Yeah. We were chipping away at our own little bit. Do you think that that's going to be an issue for actually finding a room temperature semiconductor? Like, is it is it possible that someone will just stumble yeah. across one? I mean, it's. I mean, we get, we are getting closer, but yeah, I don't. A much kind of deeper understanding is needed before we yeah. are making huge like leaps like that. Yeah. Um, so, what particular do you have a particular system that you've been working on, or are you just looking at lots of different things? Or um, I kind of look at a broad class of. Things like the main, uh, a, a huge, um, a huge factor in what kind of superconductivity a material is going to exhibit is the the um, symmetry of the crystal. So I don't look particularly at one compound. I look at a class that has the same um, symmetry. So, so the same arrangements the of same the arrangements, different sorry, types yeah, of atoms same, in the solid. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, so you the so. I, uh, copper seems to be a, a popular thing. Things containing copper seem to be popular these days. Yeah, cuprates. Yeah, yeah. Um, and nictides as well. I see arsenic. Uh, Yay, arsenic. Oh, fine. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is why I wouldn't never do the experimental version of what I do. It's like dealing with arsenic and uranium and all this. Oh yeah, uranium yeah. telluride and stuff. Oh yeah, that's a. There's that's lots a of big, cool molecules. That's a big one. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're very interesting. Ruthenium strontiate. Strontium. Strunt, strunt, no, strontium ruthenate. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Random things that, as a chemist, you would go, well, that seems interesting, but why? But for what yeah. you do, they're, they're really important, interesting molecules. Yeah. Very fun. So then a day in the lab for you, and in the lab, <laughs> and in, quote, in quotes, um, is, is you in front of a computer. Yep, looks pretty boring. So processing data, or, or write, yeah. do you said about writing code? So you, yeah. you're developing new techniques for doing this analysis? Um. Well, not developing new techniques, right. but yeah, u- using existing techniques in a in the system that I'm looking at. Right. So yeah, writing up code, finding the or writing code to find the properties that I'm l- wanting to look at of a system, then processing it, seeing what seeing what's happening. If there's anything weird, then looking deeper into it. Right. Yeah. And two and a half years in, have there been interesting weird things that you've discovered? Yeah. There's been some weird things. Yeah, I um I did a wee pivot. Uh, when was it? It was probably the beginning of this year. So I've had like the first half, you know, you know oh, found some things, happy about that, and now I'm moving into something. Oh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, a bit different. It's more focused on uh, numerical method, you know, at the moment. Uh, so. So as much about the method, as much about the analysis, the process of the analysis, as it is of what you're out, what you're yeah. analysing. Yeah, I had yeah. two straight years of just brute force getting data, analysing it, and then now I'm in a bit of a lull where I can just focus on there you are. Doing, <laughs> <laughs> doing the computer stuff a bit more than doing the analysing data stuff, which is quite nice as a wee break. Cool. But I'll get back. Hopefully find some interesting things with this method I'm 
um, implementing. So, fingers crossed. Are there experimentalists in New Zealand who can do this work, or does it all go off to it's, Europe and stuff? Yeah. 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 There's not many. There's not much of it going on here. There's only a couple of groups. There's us and then in Wellington, I think. Um, but yes, yeah, mostly mostly Europe. Yeah. Um, Japan, America. Lots of money. Lots of money. Yes. Elsewhere. Yes. The, um, again, over the weekend, I was watching this this YouTube, and they were. Do, I'm not sure whether it was the guys who actually did this this H2S one. This, this, oh, the this, H3S. The the is it H3S now. The, the one under the room temperature one. Pressure, yeah. Two million atmospheres. Yes. And you can get two million atmospheres worth of pressure on these poor little molecules <laughs> um, in this little wee thing that looks like a. I mean, you can hold it in your hand. This little wee tiny bit of apparatus. Yeah. But it must cost a fortune. The guy was walking around with it in his pocket, but I'm sure it's worth millions of dollars. Um, so <laughs> you let think, them do I what they can that do. One's actually a convention, like it is conventional. Is it? Superconductor. Right. I think I could be remembering that wrong. It's quite interesting. So it's easy to explain, but hard to make. Yeah. And not that useful. Mm. Probably a bit stinky, given it's a, <laughs> <laughs> a sulfur hydride. <laughs> so when you're done, which is oh, is soon, yeah. More physics for you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Overseas somewhere? Definitely. Um. Yeah, I don't really, I don't see myself doing anything else. I'm having fun. Cool. Um. Yeah, definitely overseas though. But. More superconductors or yeah. something else? More, yeah, I yeah. reckon. I mean, there's obviously I mean, it's work still time to, to change my mind. And yeah, there is a lot of work to do. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's a hu- huge area. Of An important area. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to think so. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you, Brie, for coming along and telling thank us what you, you've yeah. been up to. Um, and thank my you, pleasure. everyone out there, for listening. And I will remind you that you can listen to the show again at your leisure as a podcast as a podcast from the Otago Access Radio website, um, which is www.oar.org.nz. We will finish with Bree's second piece of music that she's brought along, which is... Big Fat Mouth by Ali. Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone.
Science Notes, a program on Otago Access Radio, brought to you by the Science News and Promotion Group at the University of Otago. Join me, Dave McMorrin, as I chat with graduate science students. We'll find out about their research, why they do science at all, and what music they enjoy. Science Notes, Thursdays from 6.30 till 7pm, only on Otago Access Radio. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.